They say you, you steer where you stare. And that's true. You can be driving down the road and you can look off to the left and before long, you begin to drift to the left. You can start looking out to the right and before too long, you begin to veer to the right. And you hit that annoying, that annoying strip that vibrates and wakes everybody up. I said that kind of like I had experience with that. But it's true. And that's true spiritually, too. You, you steer where you stare. And God knew that. And his inspired writers conveyed that. The city of Jerusalem was located just where God wanted it to be. And it was chosen by God to be the center of Jewish worship under the law of Moses. Jews out of every nation under heaven would ascend to the mountains on which the city of Jerusalem was perched. In fact, no matter what direction you came from, you always had to ascend to Jerusalem in order to get there. In fact, that's why the phrase going up to Jerusalem is always used. It didn't matter which direction, you were always physically, literally going up. But you also must mentally and spiritually ascend as well. God expected his people to have hearts that were prepared. That, his, that their minds would be ready for worship. And nestled in the midst of the Psalms, in fact, Psalm 120 to 130, we have what is commonly called the Songs of Ascent. While the worshipers went up to Jerusalem, they would sing these psalms to prepare their hearts and to focus their attention on God. In Psalm 121, they sang, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Approaching Jerusalem, the worshiper declared, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. And then ask, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In other words, my help does not come from the hills, but it comes from the one who made them. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In Psalm 123, the writer said to you, I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. This time God is not perceived as dwelling in the hills, but enthroned in the heavens. Now this phrase, lift up your eyes, denotes a spiritual mindset more than a physical motion. Psalm 25, 15, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, but my eyes are toward you, O God. In you I seek refuge, Psalm 141, verse 8. The New Testament conveys the same uh, uh, idea using similar language. Colossians 3 verse 2 where Paul tells us we must set our minds on things above. Lifting up our eyes. 
not looking on things on the earth. We cannot physically see God, but to look upon God means that we put complete trust in Him and we have totally, total dependence on Him. And the psalmist recognized that the Lord God Almighty who created the universe was His singular source of strength and help. And that realization is transformational. That realization changes everything. When I fix my eyes upon the Lord, everything is different. When it comes to sharing the gospel, the theme, the heart of this meeting, we understand my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And while John chapter 4 and verse 35 exhorts us to lift up our eyes to see the prospects of the gospel, we must also lift up our eyes to see the power of the gospel. And that power is not in us. In 2 Corinthians 5 or 4, verse 5 and verse 7, for we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord. Paul says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. God put the gospel in our hands. Why? So that it would be evident that the power doesn't come from man, but it comes from God. And I'm quite grateful for my own irrelevancy. It is not by our strength or by our might, it is not by our personalities or our abilities or our facilities. It is by God. It is His strength. Men are saved by His power, His grace, and His mercy. It is by His love and His direction and His instruction. The power is in the seed, as our brother reminded us. It is my responsibility to sow it. And when I am reluctant because I feel inadequate, I must lift up my eyes unto the hills. From which cometh my help? From the Lord who made heaven and earth. He has the power. And that takes the pressure off of me. And you, do what you can, when you can, and how you can. But the admonition to lift up your eyes is not merely to look to God, but to look through God. You look through his eyes, you see things from his point of view and his perspective. And when you do, again, everything shifts. Everything is different. You see yourself different. When you lift up your eyes, you see your sin differently. When I lift up my eyes, I see how deceitful sin is with its passing pleasures that cannot satisfy my most serious need. I see, when I lift up my eyes, the difference between what Satan peddles and what God provides. Satan, what does he offer? Nothing but lies. He binds us, he blinds us, but God seeks to free and to enlighten us. And when I lift up my eyes, I see sin as God sees it, and I come to hate it as God does, because it damns my soul and it breaks his heart. Oh, the difference I see when I lift up my eyes, and when I lift up my eyes from my own selfish and ego my self-interest or my, or my selfishness and I, and I survey 
the wondrous cross of Jesus Christ, I see my sin as God sees it. Cannot help but to see your sin as God sees it if you lift up your eyes to the cross. If you want to see it as God sees it, then you look at the battered, the bloody, the bruised body of Jesus, and you see, surely, as Isaiah prophesied, he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. If you look at that, you will look at your sin differently. When I lift up my eyes to the hill of Calvary, I most certainly will no longer trivialize or minimize my sin. When I am compelled to stay and to stare at the suffering of my Savior, all of the excuses that I offer for my rebellion, uh, they seem woefully inadequate and pathetically weak. The gruesome and humiliating death of Jesus is a sight that we instinctively want to turn from and we bow our heads in shame because of our part in the matter. But when I lift up my eyes, I see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love or sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? When I lift up my eyes, I see a love that is so amazing, so divine, that it demands my soul, my heart, my all. He is worthy of my praise. Let the Lord be praised. By his grace, he gives me what I don't deserve. And by his mercy, he exempts me from what I do. And the psalmist would say in Psalm 3 and verse 3, O Lord, uh, you are a shield about me. You are my glory and you are the lifter of my heads. Folks, the reason we can lift up our eyes is because he lifts up our heads. God has paid the price for my sin and he has carried my shame far away. He has borne the price. He has borne my shame. And like a loving father does with his tender touch, he tucks his gracious hand under my unworthy chin and he lifts my head. He lifts my eyes up when I'm weary. He lifts the eyes of the prodigal. He lifts the head of the returning and he sets our sights on a higher plane and he gives us a greater purpose. When I am unworthy, he lifts my head. When I am in guilt, he lifts my head. When I'm ashamed, he lifts my head. And it's all possible because of what he accomplished for me through Jesus. And when I lift up my eyes, I don't see merely the submission of a lamb. I see the strength of a lion. A lion that came roaring out of a tomb. That he, he triumphantly uh, conquered death, hell, and the grave. And when I lift up my eyes, I too can behold his glory. And this same Jesus who was raised up from the dead and was taken up into heaven will come in like manner. And this suffering Savior, uh, this servant, has become a conquering king who reigns and will continue to do so until he returns to finally put death in its place. He will defeat it, and that is the last enemy under his 
feet. Thank God what we see when we would but just lift up our eyes. Can you imagine? No more death. Can you imagine? No more goodbyes. All of us, to some degree, it doesn't matter how young we are, to some degree, we are affected by death. We have felt the, the chill and the cold grip of death. It has been conquering mankind from the beginning. Who among us here hasn't been touched by it? It stills, it chills, it kills our moms, our dads, our grandparents. Our husbands, our wives, it, it takes from us even sometimes our children. Death is an enemy. It is an enemy. But it is not an enemy that cannot be and will not be defeated. And when I lift up my eyes, I see the end of death. When the Lord Jesus was facing his own death, Upon the cross, he cried seven times. Seven cries from the cross are recorded for us in the Gospels. Luke uh, records for us the first cry and the last cry. And I don't think it's incidental, accidental, that, every, that the first thing Jesus said as he was being nailed to the cross was, Father, as he said, Father, forgive them. And the last thing he said was, Father, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. That is an echo. That is an echo of Psalm 31, verse 5, where David, who was seeking deliverance from his enemies, he offers a prayer of confidence that God would rescue and redeem him. Interestingly, after David wrote those words, Psalm 31 came to be used by the Jews as an evening prayer. They asked God to care for and to protect them while they slept. And when I thought of that and when I learned of that, I'm reminded of how we often teach our children and how we as children would pray. Father, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. And if I die, before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. And as the Lord faces death, Jesus offers this prayer of confidence in God's power, not only to keep his spirit, but also to resurrect his body from the sleep of death. The word commend means to place down, to deposit, to entrust someone to care or to protect. The Lord entrusted his spirit as a deposit to his father. And he had the assurance that God would keep his promise and to keep his spirit for safe, safekeeping. And God kept that promise concerning Jesus. And he will keep that promise concerning you and your loved one. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians whose heads were bowed low with grief over the death of their loved ones because those loved ones were asleep in Jesus. Uh, they need not sorrow as others who have no hope. They could find the joy even in death as they anticipate the Lord's return and the glorious resurrection that will occur. And therefore, he said, therefore comfort one another with these 
words. Oh, that we would see what God sees. And we can. Even the sting of death is removed when we lift up our eyes. The exhortation to lift up our eyes is not merely to find the prospects for the gospel, but it reminds us of the power behind it. It's God's power to save us, to redeem us, and to ultimately resurrect us, to take us home where we will be with him, where we will ever be with him in heaven. It's true. You stare where you stare. Where are you staring? I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, who has the power to keep his promise. And what a blessed assurance we have. May the Lord be praised.